The final Friday of February is here, and March is just in front of us. In all of the next 115 days going forward, there will be more hours of light than dark, and the first signs of emerging vegetation are beginning to pop out. The best thing to do is to focus on each and every day as it comes, and Charlottesville Community Engagement seeks to capture as much of the journey as possible. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, no additional localities in Virginia will be able to hold a sales tax referendum this year to help pay for public school infrastructure. Charlottesville releases the results of a citizen science campaign to map the urban heat island. And the Charlottesville Tree Commission details the decline in the city's tree canopy and asks city council for help. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Piedmont Master Gardeners announced their 2022 Spring Lecture Series, featuring leading experts on sustainable landscaping, indigenous gardening wisdom, and small fruit production at home. For all four Thursdays in March, you can buy a virtual ticket for these informative events. On March 3rd, acclaimed garden designer and photographer C. Colston Burrell will discuss beauty, integrity, and resilience. Can a garden have everything? On March 10th, Renee Goki and Christine Price Abelo of the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of the American Indian will discuss the three sisters, indigenous origins, and best growing practices. For the rest of the sessions, and to purchase a ticket, visit piedmontmastergardens.org events. Staff working on climate action issues in Charlottesville have published the results of a survey conducted last summer to map out temperature and humidity levels across the city. Here's a section from the City Climate Protection website. How urban environments and neighborhoods are built affects the amount of heat absorbed and retained, which can increase or reduce the impact of extreme heat events. Increases in extreme heat are one of the top projected impacts Charlottesville will experience from climate change. Areas with more concrete and less tree cover retain the heat from the previous day, and the survey sought to document how this manifests in temperature differentials across the city's neighborhoods in summer. 13 volunteers took 34,401 measurements across the city on August 24, 2021, walking seven routes. The map shows a clear difference between neighborhoods on either side of West Main Street, which are much hotter than those such as Fifeville, which have a much greater tree cover. You can learn more about that project on the city's Climate Action website. There are other data sources that the city uses to assess its environmental health. Chris Jenzik is the city's parks planner. About every five years, we get a consultant to do what's called a leaf-on aerial shot from a satellite and do an analysis of our overall urban tree canopy. The Parks and Recreation Department has been measuring the tree canopy since 2004, when it was around 50 percent, but the number has been dropping and was measured at 40 percent in 2018, the last year for which data is available. Brian Menard is a past chair of the Tree Commission. Not only is it a continuous decline from that level you see at 50 percent in 2004, but in fact, the, the canopy is declining at an accelerating rate. Menard said another report will be done soon, and he fears the decline will be even worse. 
the updated comprehensive plan has a goal to contribute to the creation, protection, and expansion of robust urban forests. Menard said the latest data shows that the city is not meeting that goal. He urged council to keep this in mind as the zoning code is rewritten. Chair Peggy Van Yeris said the commission has four goals in mind when it comes to that ordinance update. One is decrease the requirements for new trees, strengthen and enforce tree protection, uh, establish consequences for public tree damage. Uh, we can also refine the site plan application and review. The Tree Commission also wants a seat at the table for site plans to point out the ecological damage of removing mature trees. Van Yeris said the Tree Commission is helping with a program called Relief Seaville to help rebuild the canopy, and one of the ideas is to raise money to plant more trees on private property. We believe the trees save lives. So our mission is to protect the health and well-being, particularly of our low canopy neighborhoods, from the heat effects of climate change. The relief effort will focus at first on the 10th and Page neighborhood, which has a tree canopy of 18%. Menard said the city government needs to plant 200 trees a year on its property, and that requires funding. The Tree Commission has asked for $100,000 in the next capital budget. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he felt the presentation was compelling. I can only imagine what it's going to be when they recalculate or redo it again because, you know, the storm in the beginning of January just took down a whole bunch of um, trees, if not the whole tree, certainly a lot of their, their branches. So I think this is very valuable. The presentation included a note that several mature trees would be removed at Friendship Court as part of the redevelopment there. Councillor Michael Payne responded that those decisions were approved by residents who live there. It's been a very um, intense resident-led process to design the specific types of units, their locations, um, and through that resident process and the priorities they chose in terms of the type of housing, number of units, and location of those units. That were the, that's where the project is. Another request the Tree Commission has is to further increase setbacks for buildings and to eliminate the possibility of building right up to the property line. Mayor Lloyd Snook pointed out a tension. We were told uh, in part of the affordable housing debate, one of the things that is getting in the way of more affordability is bigger setback requirements. But of course, when you've got setback requirements, you've got room for trees. And at least part of the discussion that we were having last year about the, the all of this, and I kept saying, oh, don't worry, we'll solve this with the uh, when we get around to rewriting the, the zoning ordinance, which is underway. But part of what we need to do, I guess, is to make sure that we have some better way of, of recognizing the balance that we're trying to strike. James Fries, the director of Neighborhood Development Services, said he hoped the zoning update will bring more flexibility to help achieve the balance. Um, all of these things come with trade-offs, and I know that'll be part of the conversation as we go forward with the zoning ordinance rewrite. The Seville Plans Together Steering Committee will meet on March 2nd at 5 p.m. You can register to attend the virtual meeting at a link in the newsletter, and City Council will get presented with its budget for fiscal year 23 on March 7th. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for our second subscriber-supported shout-out. 
Algorithms know how to put songs and artists together based on genre or beats per minute. But only people can make connections that engage your mind and warm your heart. The music on WTJU 91.1 FM is chosen by dozens and dozens of volunteer hosts, music lovers like you who live right here in the Charlottesville area. Listener donations keep WTJU alive and thriving. In this era of algorithm-driven everything, go against the grain. Support Freeform Community Radio on WTJU and get ready for the Rock Marathon coming up in April. Consider a donation at WTJU.net slash donate. One more segment today, and it's got a lot of ramifications for all kinds of localities across the Commonwealth. Charlottesville's plan to invest dozens of millions in public schools conclusively lost one financing source this morning, at least for another year. A subcommittee of the House Finance Committee voted to lay three bills on the table that would have allowed localities to decide if they wanted to raise the sales tax to finance school construction. Under current law, localities have to ask permission from the General Assembly to hold a referendum in which community members would decide whether to levy the tax. For the past two years, the Democrats held a majority, and legislation passed that put the question on the ballot in Danville and Pennsylvania County. City of Danville approved a 1% sales tax increase with a 60% margin, but Pennsylvania voters rejected the tax on a 33-vote margin. The Republicans picked up seven House of Delegates seats in that same election, giving them a 52-48 to advantage. The House Finance Subcommittee No. 3 has seven members, four of whom are Republicans. The panel first dealt this morning with SB 37, which would add the Isle of Wight County to the list of localities that could hold a sales tax referendum. Senator Tommy Normand, a Republican from the 3rd Senate District, was the chief patron, and he told the committee that Isle of Wight had a clear plan for how they would spend the revenue. He asked the committee to allow for a pragmatic solution. I came out of local government and trying to balance my perspective sometimes between local government and state government. Uh, I reflect, uh, in this instance, the Board of Supervisors in Isle of Wight unanimously supported it. They cultivated support by working through the chamber and the Board of Supervisors and there has been not any outcry or objection within the business community. Norman said if the Isle of Wight was not granted this avenue for revenue, there would be a 4.5 cent increase on the county's property tax rate. However, he said he did not support legislation that would grant every locality the ability to hold such a referendum automatically because not all of them have plans in place. I'm adamantly and unequivocally unsupportive of a statewide bill. William McCarty is the chair of the Isle of Wight Board of Supervisors and said that body has not raised the property tax rate for six years. The bill before you actually allows the citizens to choose by vote how to pay for school infrastructure in the future. The 1% as outlined in this bill is restricted to that very thing. Subcommittee meetings often only have a limited amount of time, so action was swift. Delegate Nick Freitas, a Republican from the 30th District, made a motion. Madam Chair, I, Madam Chair, I have a motion. Um, yes, go ahead. I move to lay the bill on the table. The vote was four to three, with Delegate Bobby Oreck explaining his opposition. Philosophically, I don't like bifurcating sales tax. 
And, and to the point of what we have before us, I will tell you with my in-laws living in Pennsylvania County, if they have a major purchase to make, they don't make it in Pennsylvania County. They go to Campbell County because that 1% differential in sales tax, if it's a major purchase, does make a difference in their shopping. Next up was Charlottesville's specific request for a referendum in the form of SB 298, which passed the Senate on a 28 to 12 vote. Senator Cree Deeds, a Democrat from the 25th Senate District, is the bill's patron, which would help finance a proposal to renovate Buford Middle School to add sixth grade as the first step in a major reconfiguration of public schools. And unlike a lot of localities, there's a lot of retail in Charlottesville. They, they expect to generate $12 million a year, which will more than service the debt they need to, um, to get the, pro- the work done. Subcommittee Chair Kathy Byron, a Republican from the 22nd House District, acknowledged that there is a need to address Virginia's growing school needs, but she said she could not support this kind of a tax crease, especially when Governor Glenn Youngkin wants to return $4.5 billion in tax payments back to taxpayers. We're going to have to look at other ways to help localities and to, uh, to be able to determine how we can do this in a manner that's really beneficial. You know, we're trying to return extra tax dollars at a time that people really need it, and it just seems counterproductive to turn around and ask for more. Senator Deeds called the measure self-help and said it would be up to local voters to decide whether to raise the sales tax to pay for public school improvements. This is an issue we've been talking about the whole time I've been here, 30, more than 30 years. And even though we, we're, we, we've got dribs and, a dribs and drabs approach, we're not, we, we've not moved the ball significantly further in, in all that time. Byron said it was a matter of political difference. You represent a, an area that, and then they may be in agreement with you. I represent an area that doesn't want us, sends us here, to vote, to um, hold back on taxes, and they don't want us to become where we've got to put everything in a referendum back to them again. That's what they elected us to do. Delegate Sally Hudson, a Democrat from the 57th House District, is a member of the subcommittee, and she pled with her Republican colleagues to support the bill, in part because a Virginia study group recommended this approach last year. We do have a commission on school modernization and construction, and this tool was unanimously approved on a bipartisan basis by that commission. So I don't think that we can argue that this has been understudied. We know that we need many tools in the toolbox, and this is one of them. Both Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade and Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook spoke in favor of the bill as well. Charlottesville desperately needs the authority to pay for $75 million improvements to Buford Middle School. Charlottesville has advertised a tax rate increase of $0.10 per $100 of assessed value to help cover the costs of a growing capital budget. We're forced to to finance this school project through other taxes. It will make it impossible in the next decade for us to, for example, buy a new fire truck or improve police and jail facilities and redevelop public housing. Delegate Freitas. Move to lay on the table. Motions to lay bills on the table are not debatable, and the Charlottesville bill also went down on a 4-3 to vote, despite the testimony. The final bill was SB 472 from Senator Jennifer McClellan. It would have allowed all localities to proceed with a sales tax referendum. McClellan chaired the Commission on School Construction and Modernization. 
41% of school divisions are at or above enrollment capacity for their current buildings, and 29% are nearing capacity. This is across Virginia. 50%, over 50% of the schools in Virginia are over 50 years old, and that number is growing. Justin Pope has two daughters at Prince Edward Elementary School, which he said is in dire conditions. Our community has had a lot of disagreements, but we have consensus. Our Board of Supervisors has consensus that this approach to fixing our schools is what we need to do, or at least put to our voters. Pope said the alternative was a very steep increase in the property tax rate because real estate assessments are low in Prince Edward. His daughter, Eliza, also testified in favor of the bill. Yesterday, I counted seven buckets in the gym and saw many more leaks around the school. I'm also aware that there are two classrooms in the second grade building that cannot be used because of leaks and mold. Byron pointed out that a similar House bill from Delegate Hudson had already been through the committee and it was time to move on. Uh, Delegate Freitas. I have a motion, Madam Chair, move to lay the bill on the table. After the vote, Delegate Hudson addressed Eliza Pope and said this was an example of how government works. You might rightly wonder what happened here today because you came and you shared your story and you did such a good job. Delegate Byron interrupted Hudson. Delegate Hudson, I think that's out of order given that type of opinion in a committee like this. Um, Young people, um, we think it's very important that people come and have their voice heard And I want you to know that these delegates that had to leave have to go see senators over there who may vote for or against their bill, too, based on what they think that bill might be. So this is how government works. We um, I do support school construction, but I just have a different way to get there. And I promised Senator McClellan that we're going to continue those discussions and. Senator Norman as well um, in regards to different ways that we can get funding for our school. But um, I wish you the very best. You're like very bright students. Thank you for being here with us today. I'm going to keep talking no matter who stays. If this bill would. That video feed was cut off. Charlottesville's fiscal year 23 budget will be introduced to city council on March 7th. The General Assembly will continue for a couple more weeks. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for February 25th, 2022. Lots in this one, and when will the next one be? Likely not until Monday, but there's a chance that one will come out tomorrow. There's still so much to catch up on. Uh, But of course, let me do definitely say the week ahead will be out on Sunday. If you've not seen the week ahead before, it's it's an omnibus look at different things that are coming up each week. And I like to try to get to as many of them as I can, which is why I like to try to get as many installments of this program and podcast out as I can. If you benefit from this program, a couple things you can do today. Please send it on to somebody else. That is the best way I can grow the audience. The second thing you can do is to consider a subscription through Substack. The company Ting will match your initial payment should you choose to do so, which is fantastic for all of us, I think. Uh, There's also a link in the newsletter that will lead you to some special deals you can get should you sign up. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. It is the end of the week, so let's produce this one quickly so we can all do what we do on Fridays, which these days is probably the same thing we do every other day. Uh, But, you know, that's okay. Uh, All is well. 
I be safe out there today and, uh, you know, be vigilant and pay attention. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye.